Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Modern Berean. I am your host, Brandon Lockridge. I am Steve Hogan. And uh, man, it is good to be back recording again. Uh, it's been quite some time. Uh, Steve and I's schedules just haven't been able to line up, but we are finally back at it. And it's really, really good to be uh, recording again and to dive into God's word again and continue on here in the book of Ephesians. If you'll remember from our last broadcast, uh, we left off in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 13. We did v- verses 1 to 13. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 3, and we're going to uh, finish up chapter 3, and then in the following segments, we will dive into chapter 4. <clears throat> and uh, I just want to give you guys a quick update, uh, just so you know kind of what's going on uh, in our life. Obviously, uh Modern Berean is not our full-time job. Uh, This is just a ministry uh, that the Lord has been so gracious uh, to bless us with. Uh, He's blessed us with the the ability and the means to be able to do this, and uh, it's really just very kind and gracious of Him, and we're just really, really thankful for it. Um, But, you know, because it's not our full-time job, um, it's something that we do when we can, And, you know, uh, Steve does such a phenomenal job on social media. I mean, 99% of what you guys are seeing on Instagram, on Facebook, Steve's doing that stuff. And he's posting. The 1% you don't like, that's all Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Steve wants to make sure you know him if you don't like it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so, um, you know, the my take in it, obviously, you know, I'm here for, we do the recordings together. Uh, you know, I'll I'll do the audio editing and I'll push that stuff out. Uh, you know, once in a while I see something Steve posts on social media and I'm like, dude, that is so good. I got to take that and make it into a blog post. So, you know, I'll put it into a blog and then maybe push that out. But, uh, you know, Steve just does a great job with that. Uh, for me in particular, just my season of life right now, uh, just so you guys know the business that I'm involved in, lot of changes have happened. And so my role in the, in the part that I play is increased and, and the amount of workload I'm taking on has increased. And so, um, I'm just having to, uh, fulfill wear more hats, uh, so to speak. And it's kind of taken away from my ability to get together with Steve. And, and so, uh, and then I've also, and we're, we're husbands, we're fathers, yeah. we got kids, we got kids sports. I mean, just all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so obviously, you know, I'm going to finish up Ephesians with Steve. I, you know, we committed to doing Ephesians together. We're going to finish that now after Ephesians, just so you guys know, there's going to be some things, maybe Steve might uh, do some audio on his own as well. I'll still be doing back end stuff and, uh, if Steve does some recordings on his own, he'll send them to me. I'll still do, you know, the, the editing and stuff and push that out. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, our time to be able to get together and do something might become more limited. I'm not really sure whatever the Lord's going to do, he's going to do. And, uh, Lord willing, <clears throat> I'll be able to, you know, get together and, and maybe, you know, this, the season, uh, of life will lighten up a little bit for me and I can, you know, get back into it uh, more full time. But uh, Steve will probably be doing some some audio. He'll certainly continue to do, uh, you know, the the social media stuff. I'll still make stuff in, you know, put stuff into blogs and whatnot. 
we've we've had a lot of people that have uh, continued to follow uh, the ministry. We've added a lot of uh, people on social media. And so it's just really good to see the Lord blessing this and that it's going to grow. And, and really, again, at the end of the day, all we really care about is that uh, the Word of God is being preached right. and, and that um, He is being blessed by it, that, it, that you guys are being blessed by it, and that it's just really honoring and glorifying Him. Uh, that's, that's really all we want from this. It's not about you know, how big it gets or doesn't get. I mean, it's just whatever it is, it is, and the Lord's going to do what He... Whatever he does, it's his ministry, and uh, you know we just want him to use us. We're just saying, hey, we're we're available. Please use us, Lord, and and uh, just we're broken vessels that we are. We just want to carry a little bit of water, uh, anything we can. So um, that's that's that. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add to that, Steve. No, I think we've <laughs> overgone our time on this segment, so we might have to stop now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I rambled on for too long. <laughs> no, but so let's go ahead and get into it then. Um, we're going to read uh, verses 14 to the end of the chapter. That's verse 21 in, in uh, chapter 3 here of Ephesians. And uh, then we'll uh, we'll talk about, uh, we'll go back and kind of work our way through and talk about what we read. So uh, let's go forward. Uh, so verse 14 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So <clears throat> right off the bat, you know, one thing that really stood out to me, Steve, is it, right there in verse 14, Paul says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto our Father. And I just, you, I just can't help but take notice of Paul's posture during prayer, you know, that he's bowing to his knees. And obviously, this doesn't mean that, you know, we've always got to bow on our knees when we pray, because, you know... The postures and gestures during prayer, I think, are, are insignificant things with God. But I think what is significant and what I think really shines through here is that Paul's posture is a sign of his reverence for God. You know, and certain postures and gestures may be expressive of reverence. And, and it seems like um, we we can kind of forget to that we're on holy ground, that we're, you know, before before a holy, mighty God. And and maybe sometimes that reverence can get lost. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I do think there's a, a time and place for, you know, passing prayer when, when you're walking, when you're out, mm-hmm. when you're putting the kids to bed or whatever. Yeah. But I also do think that, um, especially in modern America, like you're saying, we've lost a lot of the reverence for God. We've, Mm. you know, you see these uh, t-shirts out there, Jesus is my homeboy. And, (laughs) 
you know, and I, I get that to an extent, you know, yeah, Jesus is our friend. He's there for us. But also we got to remember that Jesus is God. He's the word of God. And we have to have a reverence for mm. God when we speak about him. Um, you know, and I, I also wanted to point out because we are kind of picking up in the middle of a chapter, he starts out with for this cause. Yeah. And right. if you just take like one step back, he talks about, you know, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Mm. And then he jumps into for this cause, I bow my knees. And yeah, to your point, I mean, obviously Paul had an incredible prayer life. Uh, mm. All of his letters, when you read through his prayers, it kind of, it almost puts you to shame yeah. the way that you pray, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I wanted to uh, mention out too was, um, and this is kind of just getting into a translation because I was I was noticing it, and I had something here about my note my in my notes about it. But at the at the end of verse fourteen, it says, "I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." Now I'm not really sure why, but a lot of your modern translations actually omit of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it'll just say, uh, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father. And uh, I'm not sure why, you know, they would hmm. omit that part. But what's interesting then is in verse 15, we read, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Well, in a lot of modern translations, it says, uh, from whom every family Mm. Uh, of in heaven and earth is named. And, you know, this wording really doesn't Changes fit. Changes the meaning. Yeah, it doesn't fit with the context because you got to remember what we've talked about <clears throat> in the first uh, section, the first half of chapter three is, and well, actually really all the way throughout, <clears throat> is the family of God and how the Gentiles have been included into the family of God and they're adopted children of God, right? And so... It's talking about the family of God. Not every person. And so, yeah, exactly. So in in the the both the King James and the New King James, it does say from whom uh uh from whom the whole family, and that really you know It's covering uh, God's family. God's whole family. Those who are in heaven with him and those who are on earth. <clears throat> yeah. But you know, to say of whom every, every family, changes. I mean, at best it's confusing, and at worst it's mistaken for universalism. Totally, right? yeah, and that's you know, to your point, that's why I prefer the King James. Now, I am not uh, of the camp that King James only. You can only be saved using the King James. Oh, you're not one of those crazy people. Not one of those crazy people. No, but <laughs> I I would agree with the people that say that this text is a better translation right. and it's a better understanding. And I think that that points it out really well because if you have a teacher teaching universalism, um, and by the way, universalism means that everyone will hmm. be saved in the end, in case you're unaware. Right. But if you have a teacher teaching that, that is a verse that he could very easily cling to in a modern hmm. translation. But here it's much more clear that it's God's family that right. is being named, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So um, leading into that, he mentions the whole family of earth. He talked about for this cause, dealing with his tribulations, <clears throat> but he's praying for them. And so there were four main things I pulled out of this prayer. Uh, the first one is... He's praying that they would be strengthened with God's might. And I think that is an important reminder for us that true strength and power only comes from God, not from within ourselves. 
And this is that strength and power that we can draw on to be bold for the Mm -hmm. gospel and be willing to proclaim the gospel at all costs. It kind of reminds me, you know, before Jesus was crucified, how Peter fled, you know, he was scared. And then you fast forward to Acts, empowered by the Holy Spirit, out in the streets in front of the Jews that he was Mm -hmm. just formerly scared of, preaching the word through the strength Mm -hmm. of God, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this this is a spiritual strengthening for the work and duty that we are called to as believers, to do the will of God. And you know what? This is exactly what Paul means when I think of uh, Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all things right. through Christ which strengthen me. And that's what he's talking about. It's it's a spiritual strengthening, not to do whatever you want, whatever right. your heart desires, but to do the will of God, right? Yeah. And in Acts chapter 4, you know, they're threatened, they're beaten, and they go back and they pray together and they say, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Mm. So they knew not to go back and say, hey, I just need to buck up and be stronger. They went to God and asked for his strength to preach his word. Yeah, absolutely. Um, point number two that I pulled from these prayers is he's praying that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. And that's another thing. We we got to remember the Holy Spirit's in mm. us. Christ is one with the Holy Spirit. The Father's one with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus dwells in us as well. And that's kind of a point he's making here too, that he desires for them by faith to know that Christ dwells in them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the next part I love too, he, sa- he says, you know, being rooted and grounded in love. Right. And, you know, this is talking primarily about a love for God and for and for the saints of God. And, and sometimes certain Christians take this the wrong way, I think, and assume that it means we need to love everyone to the point of never saying anything <laughs> to them that, that may, uh, you know, offend them or upset them. And actually, this is the opposite of love because pointing out a believer's sin in order to bring them back into the right. fold of God or correcting them on a serious doctrinal error is actually the most loving thing you can do. And it would actually be unloving and and actually sinful to just let them remain in their sin and error, right? Yeah, I mean, I always use this as an example, but if your son, you know, let's say five-year-old son's about to touch a hot stove, you're mm. going to tell them, no, that is going to hurt you. Right. Now that's loving. Now, if your son's going to touch a stove and you go, ah, oh, who cares? I love him. Let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem very yeah. loving, right? No, not at all. Yeah, and the whole point there too is that Everything we do needs to flow out of this love for our brothers and sisters and for God. Yeah. And, you know, doctrine's important, theology's important, but if those things are flowing out of pride or arrogance, then they're flowing out of the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Our doctrine and theology should flow from the love we have for God, and then that should be should flow out to other people in love to them as well. Not to prove that we're right, but to mm-hmm. show them who God truly is. Um, and I, I wrote a little note for myself here. One of the chapters that always bothers me at weddings, well, not, you know, a little bit is first Corinthians chapter 13, when he speaks Mm -hmm. about love, 
what he's speaking about there is exercising spiritual gifts with love as the basis. And that love, Christian love, is the most important thing, not the gift in and of itself, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we're going to see that uh, in, in chapter four when we get into that. So we'll get more into that conversation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the fourth and final thing is he talks about the fullness of God. And that's all spiritual blessings associated with knowing God, loving God, loving his people, you know, good works, holiness, true joy, true peace, grace, those things are only found in God. And it, it just reminded me of Matthew chapter five, verse six, when he says, you know, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness for they will be filled. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to make mention too about, you know, I'm looking back in verse 18, it talks about, he uses the term, um, breadth, uh, let's see, what is the breadth and length and depth and height and this is really referring both to the vastness of God's love and of his redemption. Right. I mean, God's love and his redemption is so, so great and so vast and so wide, we can't even comprehend it. And, you know, the fall of man was bad, but the the salvation that Christ brings is greater. Right. The, the, the the fall is not like the redemption. The redemption is much, much better than the fall. Right. And that's really what's being dis- discussed here is just it's that redemption and that love of God is so much greater, so much wider than anything we could imagine. Well, it's just like I think in First Corinthians, he talks about how, you know, Christ is far greater than Adam. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. First Corinthians 15, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it talks about that. And then uh, I do want to to make mention here uh, in verse 19, it says, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Um, I mean, Christ's love is incomprehensible. I mean, we think that we we love our spouse or our kids, you know, with such an incredible love. We we think we understand what love is in that sense. Um, But Christ's love is incomprehensible. We can't we can't even fathom. Uh, the love that he has for his children, right? That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Truly amazing. Yeah, so 20 and 21, I mean, 20 is such a great verse. You know, he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And I mean, I don't think sometimes we realize when we're praying, when we're asking God for things, mm-hmm. we may think, man, this is such a big thing I'm asking God to do, mm-hmm. but he's God. He's creator of the universe. He can do anything that yeah. he, you know, we ask of him. Yeah. It's incredible. You know, Steve, I went to, oh gosh, I think it was uh, about a week and a half ago or so. I went with the family down to the Creation and Earth Museum. And I don't know if you've ever had a chance to be, this, this is down in San Diego County, uh, and, uh, you, you walk through and there's a section where it's talking about the galaxies and the universe. And, you know, obviously, you know, they're, they're looking at everything from, you know, the, the Christian's perspective as they should, right. right. Through the perspective of creation. And you walk through this room and you're looking at just the, just, I mean, they have, um, a minute amount of some, you know, pictures of, of some of the galaxies, you know, a, a, a minuscule amount of the galaxies that are out there. I mean, there's just billions of them, but they have pictures of some of them on the wall 
that were able to be, you know, photographed with like the Hubble scope and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're just looking at these galaxies and it's, it, it is jaw dropping. It's, it, you're absolutely amazed at the, the, the majesty and the beauty of these galaxies. And you're just sitting there and you sit there and you go, wow, God created this. And the Bible talks about how, you know, he created the universe by the span of his hand, you right. know, and the span of his, your, a person's hand is from the, you know, the tip of his pinky to the tip of his thumb and just, amazing amazing that you know this great big god you know created these galaxies and billions of them and that you can't even fathom you know you you couldn't possibly live you know a hundred lifetimes and get through one galaxy from one end to the other right and um it's just so incredible and then you know you realize that that god that God is intimately involved with you and your life. And to think that, you know, like you say, the thing I'm going through right now is so big and I just can't, you know, how, how could, you know, God possibly understand or, you know, God is the creator of the universe and he is able to do, like it says, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. It's yeah. just incredible. I mean, I've experienced things in my life family members that were sick with cancer that mm. were told that you are not going to live and all of a sudden the cancer is gone. <laughs> and I mean, these are just testaments to the power of prayer. I do want to take this chance to point out though, when we read a verse like this, we can't misuse a verse like this either. Mm. I wrote a little note for myself here in James chapter four, he's speaking about prayer and asking God, And he tells them, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. So when we read a verse like this, that God can do abundantly more than we can think or ask. And then we take that verse and go, hey, I really want to be a millionaire. So I'm going to continue to pray for God to make me a millionaire. Well, what is the point of your prayer? Is it so that you can buy a bunch of stuff and have a bunch of money? Well, you're asking, as James called it, a misc. You're you're asking with wrong intentions. It's not for the glory of God. And so a lot of times what I try to do when I pray, like for instance, for a family member that's sick with cancer, of course I pray that God would heal them. I mm. tell God whatever his will is, let it be done. And that if there is a healing, that it would glorify God. And that's what I think we need to ask with the main point of a lot of our prayers is, right. If you do this for me, do it in a way that glorifies you and shows who you are to people. Yeah, well, and see at the end of this verse too, it says, you know, according to the power that worketh in us. And, you know, when the the, the Spirit is within us and we are submitting to His will, the Lord's going to give us the, the will to do His will, right? right. I mean, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, want, I just wanted to point that out just to be careful, because I know a lot of pastors will take mm. verses like this and twist it. And like I said before, God can do anything. Sure. Brandon pointed out a great point there. You just look at the universe and think, can that God help you with what you're asking him? Of course he can. But we also have to know that God uses certain things in our life to work out his purpose and trust in that purpose. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And then in verse 21, he just talks about, you know, to him be glory in the church. And this kind of has played out through all of Ephesians, this idea that 
our salvation is to the glory of God, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, everything that we do, everything we say should be for the glory of God. But absolutely, certainly a salvation, absolutely. Right, and then it talks about the world without end. And this is talking about Jesus' returning, Mm. regenerating the world, um, but the church as well. The church lasts through all of eternity. Mm. It's never going to be destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's that great mountain of the Lord that grows into a great kingdom, and it's eternal. Absolutely. Well, uh, this is a short one. We figured it would be, but you know what? We got some phenomenal stuff coming up in chapter four, you guys. And uh, if you remember all the way back to uh, the introduction of Ephesians, uh, we talked about how uh, Ephesians is both theological and practical. And verse, uh, excuse me, chapters one through three, there's a lot of theology. And then in chapter four, uh, five and six, chapter four, five and six, we're going to see the practical working out of that theology. And this, this really is why um, theology is in so important to, to know, not just so you can know it and just, it's just a bunch of knowledge that you have about right. something. How does it apply? Exactly. How does it practically play out in your life? And Paul does such a phenomenal job at giving us theology, and then saying, okay, here's how this works out in your life. Because we're going to see, Paul's going to kind of start chapter four saying, hey, because of everything I've basically told you, now live right. this way, right? And so uh, we'll we'll get into that. Um, yeah, you know, and to your point, that's one of the things that I always pray when we do Bible studies, men's study, you know, when I go to church is that I wouldn't just read things or know things just to know them as an intellectual Mm. exercise so I can spout it off to other people, but I want to read and know so I can apply it to my real life and live out what God's calling us to live out. Absolutely. Yeah. We should all be doing that. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us on this segment, you guys, and we will be back with chapter four until next time. May God bless you and keep you in Jesus name.